tell you, this message that the Lord has put in my heart today is a wonderful message. Very good message, I might add. And it's it's about keeping things, keeping first things first. In other words, it's about not loving this world more than you do God. We need to understand today that God has a desire to <coughs> minister. We're going to tell you we're going to keep standing for you. Oh. Oh, oh, okay. Good deal. Good deal. You're right. You're right. I am going to ask us to stand when we start to read. It's in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to begin reading with verse number 19. And if you find, when we find it, I ask you to stand as we honor God at the reading of His Word today. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father, we thank the Lord for your word today. We ask, dear God, that you would help us to keep our heart focused and centered upon you, Lord. Help us to put you first in all things in our lives. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As I was saying, that this is uh, something that I feel like God wants me to share as a warning. Not to say that any of us are guilty of this right now here in this church. I don't believe any of us are. In other words, when you're out on the road, there's been times that if I didn't see that curve sign, if I didn't see that place where it looked like there was going to be some kind of curve that was going to be too fast to go at a certain speed, I would have probably went off the road. I've heard of people actually doing that. Matter of fact, I think that's what happened with my nephew one time, was that he was in his pickup truck, and it was at night, and he was driving along the road, and all of a sudden, he comes across this, this uh, he didn't pay attention to, or he didn't see the curb sign, and it was one of those hairpin kind of curves, and instead of being able to make that curve in time, his, he went airborne, and he landed in the farmer's field across the road. And I tell you, it was a miracle he didn't get hurt and that he didn't do any damage other than a few ruts in the farmer's field. And, of course, insurance paid for it and all that good stuff. But my point being is, is that we've got to pay attention to those signs on the road if we want to stay safe. Same thing with God's Word. If we want to stay safe spiritually, we've got to pay attention to those warning signs. And one of them is called covetousness. And that's what we're going to, about to look at in here in just a moment. But I wanted us to back up and let you know the title of our message. The title of this morning's message is this. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? In other words, we've got to be sure that our heart is focused on heaven and not on the things of this world. Because whether we realize it or want to admit it or not, this world is not going to be all there is. Matter of fact, it's just a stopover place. 
For every single human being, it's just a stopover place. And we've got to be sure that we're, we, we realize that and admit that and, and own that and, and realize that our focus doesn't need to be on this world because this world is temporal. Everything we have in this world is temporal. Our finances, our house, our, our cars, our husbands, our wives, our children, they're all temporal. In other words, the relationships that we have with our family members, they're all temporal. Because I did a little bit of study on this while I was looking at things for this message today, and it says there's not going to be any marriage in heaven. In other words, I'm not going to be married to my wife when we get to heaven. And I always tell her, I'm going to love you forever. That's not a, really a true statement because it's only as long as we're here on this earth. In other words, when we get to heaven and we start to spend our eternity there, the Bible says there's, never, there's not going to be any marriage. But yet, he will, we will be able to know each other. We will be able to see each other and, and, and recognize each other. And the same thing with me and Brother Lawrence right now. I believe that the Scriptures teach us that I will be able to recognize him from everybody else in heaven. Same thing with Brother Marvin, Sister Lillian, and all the rest of you. I believe that I'm going to be able to identify you and know you as soon as I probably see you, even though you're going to have a different body than what you have right now. I'm going to have a different body. But yet, you're going to be able to recognize me. You're going to be able to know who I am from everybody else. And so what I'm trying to get across is this, folks, is that our minds and our hearts have to be upon the Lord. They have to be focused on Him. And they have to... That word focus, let me give you a quick definition of that word focus before we get too far into this message. That word focus means to pay particular attention to in other words, I've got to pay particular attention to the things of God and not to the things of this world. Because the world is deceitful. Our hearts are deceitful. The Bible says that our heart is deceit, desperately deceitful and wicked and who can know it? In other words, the only person that can know our hearts the way they really are is God. We can't even necessarily know what our hearts really like. We can suppose we know. We can suggest and, and, and stuff like that. This is what we think we believe and know about our heart. But yet, it's only God that knows the heart. And He judges the heart. He's looking to us today to serve Him with a whole heart. A whole heartiness. And you can't do that if you've got one foot in the things of the world and you've got one foot in the things of God and try to bring them back both together at the last minute and get up into heaven. You can't do that. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God in the wealth of this world. You cannot serve God in the fame of this world. You cannot serve... In other words, I thank God that Billy Graham was such an, a successful evangelist like he was. I watched him many a time on the television when I was growing up. And I tell you what, he blessed the, my socks off. He really did. He brought the word and he didn't make any bones about it and he didn't make any apologies for it. He told you exactly what it had to say and he told you exactly what you needed to do in order to get saved. And I'm here to tell you today, folks, that he would, if he were still around alive today to tell you this, he would say this to you. He would say, give your heart to Jesus. Make sure you know him as your Lord and Savior. Amen. 
Because that's the only way, the only way that you're going to get to heaven is by putting your faith and trust in Him. And so what I'm here today to tell you is, is that we cannot try to lay up for ourselves treasures here on earth as well as in heaven. They have to be laid up in heaven where the, the moth and rust does not destroy and thieves do not break in. And then also, let me backtrack again. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, where, where I really want to be, it's going to be evident with the way I live my life. It's going to be evident in, in my heart as to where I really want to spend my eternity and I want to spend my life and everything else. And so it's important that we focus on God, that we pay attention to the things of God, which is what we're about to look at here in just a second. I want to share with you a story, though, real quick, about, I think it's the story I want to share. Yeah, it's in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 13, says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with but he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man divided, uh, yielded, yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. God plainly tells us there, folks, that we are not to lay up our treasures in, in this world. In other words, now, now does that mean that God is against me having money? No. No, that's not what that says. As a matter of fact, let me read to you a scripture that bears what I just got through saying now. First, you don't have to turn there. Just let me pick it and look it up real quick and read it to you. It's in First Corinthians. Uh, no, not First Corinthians. It's in First Timothy, verse chapter six, verse seventeen. It says, "Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy." In other words. God wants us to have what we need in order to survive in this life. He wants to meet our daily needs. Not our wants, necessarily, but our needs. So whatever our need is, whether it's physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, or financial, whatever the need is, God said, I will meet it for you. Matter of fact, I'm going to do it according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, we need to realize today, folks, that our trust and faith has to be in the Lord Jesus Christ and not in the things of this world. 
our our trust has to be in Him. And and when we and and this story just told me this very important thing. It just told me that if I am blessed by God, that I really instead of hoarding those things, instead of keeping those things upon myself like this guy here was doing, what we need to do instead is to use those things to be a blessing to other people. We need to let God work in our finances at times in order to bless somebody else. You know, there's been times that I'll be driving down the road, and I don't know about y'all, but I see these panhandlers from time to time. And sometimes the Lord has laid on my heart to help them, sometimes not. And if I don't feel led, I don't do it. And But there's been times, and don't ask me why, one time is different than another, but there's been times I felt an unction of the Spirit saying, help that person with a few dollars. So I stop, roll the window down, hand them a few dollars, and go on my merry way. And of course they say, God bless you, thank you so much, you know. But I'm just saying is that I don't know why God had me do some that way and some others he doesn't. I don't know. But I'm led in the Spirit when I do it. So what I'm trying to get across is this. There's going to be times when God's going to want you to dip into your pocket. Just like last Sunday when I made that plea for the Hallettsville Community Church building project. And y'all gave. And y'all gave a, a nice portion of, of cash for it. And I appreciated that. Because I, call, I called and told, well I didn't call, I texted the pastor of that church and told him, that we took up an offering and we're sending it this next week to him. He said, oh, he said, awesome. We appreciate it. And I, I tell you what, God is going to bless you for your blessing. In other words, he because you because you looked outside of yourself, you put yourself on the back burner for just a moment in time, and you help someone in need. And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for people who's willing to say, yes, I'm going to help. And, and when we do, God's going to bless in return. Matter of fact, I can't tell you how much He's going to bless you. All I know is He blesses you more than what you give. Just like one time when I was in a, in a service at Fort Worth. I was at my mother-in-law's church. And I, I, all I had was, I think, 20, it was either 27 or 37 cents is all I had in my pocket. And I said, and I was, you know, just sitting there, you know, minding my own business. At the end of the service, when they took up an offering, I, I said, I don't have anything to give. And the Lord said, you got 27 cents or 37 cents. And so I said, well, yeah. And so he said, give it. And I said, okay, Lord. And I went up. I put that change in that offering plate. And I was, went and sat back down. At the end of the service... I was looking to try and get a service as, a, as an evangelist with the pastor of that church, and I went up to talk to him, and he said that, that right now he was pretty well booked up on anybody coming in to preach for him, but he said, here, I want to bless you, and he gave me a $20 bill. He gave me $20, and all I gave was 20 or 27 or 37 cents. You understand what I'm coming at now? 
that God will always give more back to you than what you yourself give. Amen. But there's going to be times when God wants your pocketbook open and He wants you to, to give. You know, matter of fact, let me tell you about this joke I heard one time. There was this guy sitting in the church service and, and, everybody, and everybody was listening to the pastor and the pastor was saying, we've got a building project that we're trying to raise money for. And he said... Uh, Who's willing to give uh, uh, $500? And so nobody raised their hand or anything, and all of a sudden this piece of plaster fell down and hit this guy on the head. He stood up, and he looked up, and he says, I'll give $500. And so he sits back down, and a little bit later, the pastor's still making the plea for the, for the money to come in, and, he's, and then another piece of plaster falls, falls on the same guy. He says, the pastor says, who's going to give a thousand dollars? And the guy stands up and says, I'll give a thousand dollars. And the guys, and then the uh, uh, pastors make one more plea for the money. And at the end, he, he told God, he said, he says, this time when the pastor fell and hit him on top of the head, he, the pastor said, give, have him give everything he can to make this thing happen, Lord. I thought it was funny. Anyway. So, so we need to understand that there's going to be times when God wants us to give financially to cert certain needs that happen to come up. And when they do, we need to be willing to say yes, Lord. And so, because that shows that your heart is on things above and not on things of this earth. So that's what we need to see from the passage of Scripture that we just read about that story concerning that man. And then it says that no, but said God said to him, "Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided?" So in other words, he's saying that the man was looking to the wrong place. He was looking to his own temporal desires and own temporal enjoyment. And his own, in other words, he wasn't looking to be a blessing to anyone else. Did you know that when you give to the house of God, that a portion of that money goes to help missionaries that we support on a monthly basis? And it keeps them on their mission field. It, it along with everybody else that promised to give to them, it, it goes to them, keeps them on their mission field, so they can win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. So that God can use them to be ministers and witnesses in His name. For the kingdom of God. And so there's there's that that goes on. When you give to the house of God, it pays the bills of the church. When you give to the house of God, it's an opportunity to be able to start finally reaching out to this community and ministering to the needs that they might have, whether it be a clothes drive or whether it be a food pantry kind of a thing or whatever it might be. Whenever we give to the kingdom of God, just like we used to give, my understanding is, we used to give an offering to the food pantry at Camel House. Well, it's been a little while since we've given, as far as I know, to that ministry. But I'm looking, once the finances start coming in, I'm looking to even do that again. Start giving back to the Camel House ministry so we can be a blessing in that area. You see, we may not personally be able to do it, but we can see it done through the things that we do for the kingdom of God. And so as we look to that, as we look to the things of God, and things that are above and not on things on this earth, 
That's what's going to be pleasing to God, is if we'll do that. And then we need to understand one more thing. I know that this sometimes keeps us from being able to, to sow as we need to. But it's in uh, Luke chapter 8, verse number 14. This is the parable of the sower. It says, Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring in no fruit to maturity. In other words, we can become so encumbered with the things of this world that we have no interest in the things of God, or very little in comparison. And we need to be sure that when we give to the Lord, we do it with the right heart, with the right attitude. The Bible says the Lord give, loves a cheerful giver. In other words, we, we get sometimes we get bogged down on, on thinking that I've got to give a certain amount in order to please God. Well, He does want that 10% according to His Word. But if maybe you can't do that. But whatever it is you have to give, you need to give. Just like the woman with the two mites. She didn't have 10%. She had all that she had, which was the two mites. And she gave that to the, to the Lord. And Jesus said, these, this woman is more justified than these other guys who have given out of their abundance. In other words, they gave a lot more money, but yet God's not as interested in your amount as much as He is in your heart of giving and why you gave it and, 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 and the fact that you're doing the best that you can. Let me, let me finally say, that one, say it that way. Do the best you can with what you've got for the kingdom of God. And God will be pleased with that. And He'll He'll bless you for that. So, and it shows that your heart is on the things above and not on the things of this world. There's one final place I want us to look at before we close out this morning. And that is in Colossians. Here it is, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. For, the, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul demonstrates the life-changing power of the gospel. It's as equally important as defending it against any error. The Colossians are able to fulfill the command daily to display their attention and affection towards spiritual things because of their identification with Christ by death to the past and their empowerment for the present by the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, that's how you put to death this desire for the things of the world, is by putting your affections on the things above. Let me give you another quick couple of uh, definitions. One is the word covetousness. It's actually a strong desire after the possession of worldly things. The word avarice, which is a synonym of covetousness, means to extreme greed for wealth or material gain. 
And then it said for us to set our minds on things above. That word set means to put or to bring it to a specified state. In other words, we focus on God. We set our minds on God. We set our minds on the Lord Jesus Christ. We set our minds on heaven. We set our minds on future eternity with Him. And we, and we forget about the things of this world. We don't crave them. We don't desire them with an unholy and ungodly desire. We, do, we don't want to have those things so much so that we forget that we're going to have to spend our eternity in one or two places and it's going to be based on where your heart is as to where that eternity is going to be spent. We've got to understand today, folks, that God wants you focused on Him. Set your mind on Him. Because, number one, it's because it's a command of God, but number two, it's because God will meet every need you have, whatever that need might be. So you don't have to crave the things of this world because these things are temporal, as I mentioned earlier. They're temporal compared to the eternal things of God. And that, let me go back to one previous passage and I'm almost ready to close out. We're going to look, go back and look at Matthew chapter 6 again. I want to read you a note I have in my Bible here. In verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It says here, Jesus does not prohibit material possessions, nor the enjoyment of material things, but he does forbid a selfish and extravagant materialism that ties a person to this earth. In other words, which is more important to you? Yourself or God? The world or heaven? It's, it's your choice. God gave you a free will. And it's up to you as to where you're going to spend your eternity. It's up to you. Because if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you'll spend it with God for all, and Jesus for all eternity. But if instead you choose the things of this world and you gravitate towards it, and you may get your friend. Matter of fact, let me read you one more scripture, and I actually will be closing out, I promise. I just remembered this one that God gave to me. It's in it's in James chapter 4, verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Enemies of God don't go to heaven, folks. The devil and his demons believe in God, but they're not going to heaven because they didn't. They they rebelled against God. And the same thing with anybody who desires the things of this world more than they do God, because covetousness is actually idolatry. In other words, it's putting everything else or anything else in front of God. It, you've got to make that choice, and it's yours to make. And I pray that you have, and if you haven't, that you'll do it when we, we end this service today, because I'm going to end with the Lord's Prayer, the sinner's prayer. The Lord, not the Lord's Prayer, the sinner's prayer. 
I'm going to say that and have you repeat it with me if you need to. But I'm here to tell you today, folks, time is getting short. We're, it's running out and rather rapidly. I mean, there's everything that the Bible says will be happening right before Jesus comes is happening. Pretty much on a regular daily basis. There may be one, two things at most that left have to be prophecies fulfilled, but I don't even know that for sure. But I do know that God is getting ready to say to His Son, Go get your bride. And when He does, it's just like that. It's done. It's over. Eternity begins for those that are ready for Jesus and those that are not. Actually, the tribulation period will come for those that are not. But then they'll have to make a decision to follow Jesus or not at that point. Let's bow forward a prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you that you have helped me to give it as what it, what it has been today, and that's a warning. And none of us would desire things in this world or a relationship with this world more than we desire a relationship with Jesus. I pray, dear God, that every one of us has that desire within us to, to gravitate towards heaven and set our mind on things above, specified things above. And Lord, we thank you, dear God for helping us to seek those things that are above and not those things that are beneath, not those things of the world. We ask God that you help us to put the riches, the cares, the worldly pleasures, everything else, God. Let us put it to the back burner. Matter of fact, let us eradicate it from our lives altogether. Let us get rid of it altogether. And God, give us only a desire for you and for the things of heaven. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask today, is there anyone here today who would say, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to accept him as such today. Would you raise your hand and pray with you the prayer of salvation? All right. Those of you who are watching by Facebook Live, maybe something has been said today that's put a spark in your life and in your heart to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If, if there has been, let's just pray this simple little prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. I confess my sins to you. I admit my guilt to my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I ask you to begin to live your life in me and through me from this day forward. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, you just got saved. Praise God. And I invite, I ask you to find a church that would, you can pretend that would preach the Word of God, every part of it, and, and we would and if you'd like to, you were more than welcome to come and visit us at our church at 201 West Boys Boulevard, spelled R-E-U-S-S. We're located, that's where we're located. It's called Quero Assembly of God. It says the gathering place on the front sign, but underneath it does say Quero Assembly of God. It used to be the old uh, funeral home. So if you'd like to come and be a part of what God's doing here, we'd be glad to have you. We meet at Sunday mornings at 1030. 
and then on Sunday afternoon and Sunday evenings at six o'clock p.m. and Tuesday nights at Intercessory Prayer at seven fourteen. We love you. God bless you. You can consider yourself this.